Welcome to HR Latte, your podcast connection to all things HR. Caring for people is imperative for today's progressive business. Listen in as Rayanne Thorne Kruger gets personal with practitioners and technologists, experts, and thought leaders who care about the world of human resources, hiring, and employee engagement. And now, sit back and sip your next cup of talent management blended to perfection. Hey, everybody. Welcome to HR Latte. This is Rayanne Thorne Kruger, your host. And I am really happy to be with you today. In particular, I have an amazing guest, somebody that I've known for years, but have not had like a really great opportunity to just have a lengthy chat. And it's been so great getting to know him again. And I would love for you to meet Steve Robbins. Hey, Steve, thanks for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Well, I'm laughing because on the inside, and it's probably going to bubble out of me because when you responded to my request, you were like, a podcast, yay, yay, yay. <laughs> like you, <laughs> like this is something new for you or fun. I'm sure that you are on many podcasts. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. Before we dive into our questions, why don't you give us a little introduction of yourself? Sure. Well, so my name is Steve Robbins. And in fact, I had a top 10 business podcast myself from 2007 to 2020. Ah. So uh, for a while, podcasting was a continual part of my life. And for the last two years, it suddenly hasn't been. So I leap at the opportunity to oh, return to, okay. to, to show my hat in the ring. At the moment, I'm working primarily as an executive coach and management consultant. So I help people with earnings growth. So senior executives from middle market companies hire me to help them become the kinds of leaders who can dramatically boost their earnings. And then my passion project is that I mentor a number of Gen Z and younger millennials in their careers and career success. And I am building a program for that population to help them succeed in life. Because I have noticed that the rules have changed for how one navigates the work world. And a lot of the conventional wisdom, I believe, is just plain out wrong. And uh, a number of my younger friends have come to me for help. And I have realized that I have ideas that I think are different from a lot of what's out there. So trying to get that out there in the world, too. Oh, I can't wait to learn more. That sounds really exciting and fun. I love working with the younger generations. In my head, I think I'm still 18. Although I look in the mirror and I say, you're not even close anymore. But it's nice to feel young and to share inside and feel like what you're sharing also is valued. So it sounds like I can't wait to learn more. And I hope you'll contact me and say, hey, I have more to share. So let me come back on HR Latte. I want to talk about it. One of your LinkedIn recommendations used the word dynamism. I'm not even sure that's a real word. But <laughs> what does that mean when they're talking about you with your dynamic, I'm going to just say it that way, your dynamic personality and insight. Why would a recommendation say that about you? Oh, that's a great question. Well, for one is just my energy level. When I was 12 years old, I was a rather precocious 12-year-old. I was endlessly frustrated that adults would never take me seriously because I was 12. <laughs> and so they would listen to me. And so I swore a pact with myself. And you know, you can kind of break pacts with other people. I'm not so sure you're allowed to break the ones that you make to yourself. And I promised myself that I would never disregard the opinions, attitudes, or thoughts of young people just because they were young. And I would attempt to take them seriously. The way this ends up relating to dynamism, dynamism, but, you know, having high (laughs) high energy. That word, yes. So I always went to kind of extra special lengths 
to maintain a young and creative mindset. And one of the things I got interested in in college was hypnosis and self-hypnosis. I took a lot of trainings in hypnosis and I'll call them fun brain games for lack of a better word. And one day as an adult, I was taking a workshop in public speaking at one of these seminars that was also oriented around therapy and self-improvement. We were doing a day on public speaking. And I got up in front of the room and I started to speak and I opened my mouth and I was completely paralyzed. I couldn't say a word. Wow. So the woman who was leading the workshop said, okay, we're going to change the agenda today. And instead, we're going to dissect what the heck is going on with fever. And what it turned out to be is that standing up in front of a room, to me, meant that I was an adult and I had to put aside and forget the parts of me that were younger. And I had to put aside high energy and childishness and skipping down the street. And instead, I had to be serious. And we literally spent the entire day working with me on it. And the place that I came to psychologically was that I was going to, rather than growing up and discarding the younger parts of me, I was simply going to build on the younger parts of me and keep that to be front and center in my attitude and how I relate to the world and my ability to feel joy and happiness and things like that. And so... I honestly credit that one day with, in some weird sense, giving me permission to integrate the energy and the usefulness that I had when I was younger with the modern day me. And, you know, I can't go back and live twice, once doing it and once not to see what the difference would be. But weirdly enough, I think that's one of the reasons that people think of me as dynamic. I listen to new ideas. I try to engage in a high energy way with people of any and all ages. I take everyone seriously, and I'm very often perfectly willing and happy to take the ball and run with it, whatever that means in a given conversation. Wow. You know, we can sense your energy. Love that you have that about you and that you're willing to give back and share, but at the same time, continue to absorb what's around you, what's happening around you and learning. And I think, really think that's the key today for personal success is to not just say, I'm, I've learned enough, I'm done, I'm you know, for me anyway, I have to be continual learning. I'm one of those folks that if you said, hey, Ray, we're going to pay you to go to school for the rest of your life, I would, yes, I would be so happy. I would just love it so much just to learn. And so I kind of have to take that same theory with me, right? What can I learn from this? How can I grow and change as a result? So I really appreciate that about you. Thank you for sharing that. What a great story. Sure. Well, now you have me sitting here fantasizing about getting paid to go back to Cool. Wouldn't I'm that, like, be, that fun? Would be the best? That's like the oh, ideal yeah. ideal job for me would be to just can I just sit in class and take copious notes? I'm really good at that. <laughs> so let's talk about one of the reasons I reconnected with you is thinking ahead at the Pride Month celebration that I've been putting together and the different people that I've been speaking with, allies, members of the community, folks that are looking to make changes in their business to be more supportive. When you think about Pride Month, what does that mean to you personally? Pride Month. So I predate Pride by a lot. I'm a gay man, for those people listening who who don't know, and I've been around for quite a while. I've been around since long before gay marriage. (laughs) And in fact, one of the things that I try to tell my younger friends as they stare at me in complete and utter disbelief is while I was in college, there was a case where a couple of men in a small town in Texas grabbed a gay guy off the streets. Uh, tied him to the back of their truck, 
and dragged him to death around the city. And they ended up being charged with a misdemeanor. Oh, my stars. Yeah. And I've always kind of gone back to that to try to understand how far we've come. Right. Because, right. you know, in one lifetime, we've gone from that to, I was just watching the series Young Royals on Netflix, which if we had had that when I was a teenager, it would have utterly changed my life. And it's the story about the prince, the prince of Sweden, who the crown prince of Sweden, and essentially his struggles and trials and tribulations at a boarding school. And some of the things that come up, among other plot lines, are questioning of sexual identity Mm -hmm. and things like that. And the frickin' actual king, queen, I don't know who it is these days, but basically the, the actual Swedish royal family came out and publicly issued a statement saying that if a member of the royal family were gay, it wouldn't be a problem. Oh, that's like, great. They would just find a way to work around it. And I heard that and I was like, this was this was the love that dared not speak its name right. when I was growing up. And now royalty is saying, yeah, that's chill. No, we're, we're, we're down for it. We'll have to figure out something with regard to producing that air. But, right. you know, we're creative. Right. Well, we are creative, aren't, aren't we? Human race can work around anything, oh, I believe. Uh, I sure hope so, because we, <laughs> we have a lot that we need to, we to pull do. together on. We do. But to, you know, your question was, what about Pride Month? I found, always found the word pride to be interesting, because I don't feel pride that I'm gay exactly. It's more that I feel proud of who I am, because I think I'm a pretty cool person. And part of that happens to be that I'm gay. So yeah. I think of things like pride, not so much as a celebration of any specific sexuality, it's more a celebration of, hey, look at this. We have all these cool, fun people who happen to have these attributes that previously the external world might have stereotyped in really negative ways. So for me, pride is not about saying, hey, look, I'm proud I'm a gay man. Pride is about saying, hey, look, I've done some cool things. I'm fun to be around. I'm smart. I help people solve their problems. And I happen to be gay. So instead of thinking of gay people as whatever stereotype right. you have, right. I've a whole new way of conceptualizing. What's the best way when you consider, because I'm a strong ally, I have family members that are gay, I have lots and lots of friends that are gay and fit into that community. What's the best way for an ally, for someone like me, to show support? Sure. Well, one is I would say by voting, frankly. Okay, Uh, great. You know, one of the problems with our political system, and I, I have no idea how one gets around this, is that a lot of people vote based on a small number of issues. Right. I mean, like people will say, oh, you know, this candidate is pro gun control. This one is is not or you know, this one is, is however you want to conceptualize it. Right. And so I'm going to vote based on that. Or this candidate is pro gay or anti gay or pro abortion or anti abortion or, you know, choose your hot button social social topic. But what we actually need is an ability to vote the issues separately and then have our representatives represent that. Like, I, I almost feel like we should have a Congress made up of special interest groups at this point. And that that would be a more honest way to do it because, you know, the you're, the candidate, like I, I am, I am obviously pro, very strongly pro gay rights. I am also very strongly pro environmentalism because right. I, my mother raised me. I was that kid who, you know, we would go out to the garden and a bee would land on me and I'd go to brush it off. And my mother would go, no, 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 you know, don't hurt it. And I'm like, <laughs> wait. It's me against the bee. Right, like, which right. one of the two of us are you rooting for? <laughs> right, right. Um, so for me, these, these are both important issues. And I personally will vote if there is a politician, if, if it's a choice between a pro-gay and an anti-gay politician, I will always vote the pro-gay politician for the most part 
even if they fail other of my litmus tests, mainly because my attitude, frankly, is if I've been denied my civil rights and if I can be murdered and have it called a misdemeanor, then yeah. it doesn't matter what the environment is like and it doesn't matter how the schools are funded or what real estate taxes are because at the end of the day i've been denied like my you know the most the most basic participation in society right but as an ally i wouldn't necessarily ask you to be a single issue voter like that or or at least when that issue is is comes up but what i would say is is a pretty powerful thing is if you do hear people making homophobic remarks or jokes, or things that marginalize or trivialize it, before you say anything out loud, try on in your in your brain, you know, what if they said this about the same comment, but about black people? Or what if they said this about Jews, or about Christians, right. you know, or, or whatever, like, choose a group that you're one of the in-group, so, you know, choose, choose a group that you're part of, you know, what if they said this about women? Yeah. And if you're like, you know, that really wouldn't be cool, please just speak up and, and, you know, you don't have to go, Oh my gosh, you horrible person. You're being homophobic and say, you know, I have a lot of gay friends. And in my experience, what you just said would be, you know, wouldn't really be acceptable. It would make them feel bad. And I don't think it adds anything to the conversation. You know, I just wanted to let you know. That's great. That's, that's a good measure just to sit back and say, okay, how would this affect me if they said it about a group that I'm a part of? And it's so simple. Steve, that's way too simple. Right. <laughs> well, yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I know. I, I'm just on, identifying that it just feels like it's really an easy thing for us to do, for everyone to do. So, and part of why I say that, right, I'm saying this, you're asking about being a gay ally. One of the things that I discovered uh, pretty late in life, just about 10 years ago, was when Hillary was running for office. I think, I, I'm trying to remember, I believe it was when she was running against Obama in the primary. And I won't go into the detail unless you're interested, but long story short, I was having a conversation with somebody about whether I would rather support Hillary or Obama. And I realized that the criteria that I was using to evaluate them was different. Mm. It wasn't that I was saying Obama is more competent than Hillary or Hillary is more competent, more competent than Obama. What I was saying was, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it. Yeah. Um, what I was saying was I've met Hillary in person. And I thought she was possibly the most brilliant human being I've ever met. And I went mm. to MIT. I mean, this yeah. this woman has this woman has a brain on her like I have never encountered. Wow. And, and but all around public policy and things like that. Sure. However, like I said, we we talked for about ten minutes, and I felt like the entire time she was holding me at arm's length and completely on her guard. Mm. And so what I said to my friend is, I said, you know, I would vote for Clary, except that she's so distant. And so, like, I like, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would trust her or not. And mm. I suddenly realized I've never even asked that question about a male politician. Interesting. I've really never, interesting. I've never said, right, how approachable is Mitt Romney? Right. How approachable is John Kerry, George W. Bush, you know, Donald Trump? Like, take your pick. It's simply not a question anyone asks. Right. About right. the men. But we do ask it. So moment when I started to realize, wow, I need to approach women and comments about women by pretending they were comments about me and saying, would this be problematic if they said this about a man? Yeah. You know, if somebody came up to me and said, well, Steve, you know, we'd love to have you be president, but you're just not approachable enough. <laughs> I would just look at them and go, and yeah, that really? Has, that, you know, <laughs> 
That's interesting. Yeah. And I think it's so it's so subconscious for us, right? I can remember thinking this person is like this because they're a man and then being shoved back into myself because of what I've experienced myself being a woman that, oh, wait, this person is not being that because he's a man. He's being that way because he's that person, right? Sometimes we get right. so caught up in the groups that we all fit into that we forget that we are yeah. each individuals within those groups. And we don't always fit every part that makes that group identifiable or the members of the group identifiable. And also, I might add that if you hear someone make a homophobic remark, for example, mm-hmm. don't, I, and I doesn't sound weird to say, don't assume that they're homophobic. Right. There's actually a person that you and I both know who, yep. back when Proposition 8 was in California, which was a, 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 a it was explicitly it was, it was against gay marriage, I remember right. correctly. Right, right. This person gave a bunch of money to that cause and told me about it very proudly in a subsequent conversation that we had. <laughs> and I said, you do understand that you literally just gave money to deny me the right to get married. And, mm. yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and I said, so I understand that that is your faith or, you know, whatever. Right, but, right. Yeah, we seem to believe in each other as people. We seem to think very highly of each other. And I just want to personalize this for you. Right. And tell you that this now, I, to be honest, I've never had a follow-up conversation. And, you know, we're still on great terms, as yeah. far as I know, at least. But, but that, that for me was, yeah. So for me, it's been pretty constant. And by the way, I'm pretty low-key, right? I don't, I'm not somebody who tends to do a lot of marching or to organize right, marching. Right, right. So I'll, I'll go to a march. Yeah, but my personal style is one to just educate people as best I can. I try to understand their point of view. And the instant that somebody is advocating something that could lead to me being rounded up and put in the camp, fight like hell. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to be very chill up to a point. Up to a at point. That point I, yeah, that makes total sense. And that's something I've actually noticed about you. We've known each other for 15, maybe 17 years. I want to say it was in 2005. Oh gosh. I want to say it was 2005 when we met. But I... Having been connected with you all this time, you know, whether it's on LinkedIn or the conversations that we had in the past, one thing that I noticed about you is that you just kind of, and and your previous comment fits with this, you just kind of roll. You roll with everything that happens. So what is the secret for you to be like that, to just keep moving? I know that you, this is something that you share. This is something that you speak about, have written about, you know, clearing your mind of clutter and all of that. But that's so much easier. It's so much easier to read a headline or a title of a book that says that than it is to implement what the book tells you to do. What has been your secret to just keep rolling? Oh, well, you know, I wish that I could say this was something deliberate. For all I know, honestly, it, it could just be uh, genetic. Because <laughs> okay. my, my mother was the same way. But I would say that part of it is that I, I figured out early on in life that holding a grudge and being angry is just tiring. Yeah. yeah. And this is something, by the way, like I, there have been a few times where I have been taken in by clever con people and ended up in a situation where I might want to consider suing someone. Oh. And one of the things that I have thought about very much when I have been making the decision, do I sue or do I stay? Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm hearing the drumbeat but, in the background. <laughs> exactly. Some folks say sue, sue, sue. Yeah. Um, but I've talked to people who, who said sue, sue, sue. And now, fortunately, the amounts of money involved have never been enough to make or break me for life. And if they had, uh, my decision might be different. Right. But 
a lot of times I'm like, if I sue, I am guaranteeing myself that this is going to be at the front and center of my mind for probably the next year or multiple years. It's, there's going to be a lot of stress. There are going yep. to be lawyers bills. There, you know, in the very best case, I'll win the case. Then I have to collect the money. And I have been in like a, I was in a car accident, or actually I was in a car accident with a friend and went to the trial around the accident because it was not my friend's fault. And he was awarded damages, but then he had to collect them. And the person who hit his car basically just said, no. (laughs) I don't care what the law says. No. Right. And it turns out if they just say no, you now need to go through an entirely next suit to actually garnish their wages and stuff. I, uh, I mean, and, and I just, I looked at this and I said, okay, it's not bad. It's bad enough that his car got totaled. But then he had to go through this eight month lawsuit. And then at the end of the lawsuit, he had to decide, you know, which he won. He then had to decide whether or not to go through another lawsuit to get the money that he won. And I just, I'm just, just like, look, life is too short. Yeah. There's Oreo yeah. ice cream cake that needs eating. <laughs> and <laughs> Oh, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the other thing that I, uh, it just is a very serious response to your question that is not based in genetics is I am a big believer in self-help. I think there's a lot of things that we can learn to be able to use our minds better and to control how our minds treat us, which is a weird statement, right? Like, well, aren't we our minds? Yeah. The answer is apparently not. Apparently we can change our minds in certain ways. And so I'm actually a trained coach. I don't just call myself a coach. I've taken tons of coach training. I have Mm. taken hypnosis training, as I mentioned. I've taken all these different kinds of brain science things. And the thing that I have found that works better than anything I have ever taken, just flat out, is something that is marketed as kind of a spiritual technique by a woman named Byron Katie. And she has a book called Loving What Is, uh, Loving What Is, colon, The Work of Byron Katie. Hmm. And... What I would say, the advice that I give people is the technique that she lays out, if you actually sit down and do it and do it rigorously, I have never had it fail to help me be able to adopt equanimity around a stressful situation, any situation. I've used it with the death of my best friend committed suicide. It helps. I have had parents die. It helps. Yeah. Like It is like my general purpose go-to tool if you're actually willing to sit down and do it because a part of the technique is looking very, very hard at yourself and going, okay, I think this other person unfairly screwed me out of a million dollars or whatever the thing is you're upset about. And at one point in the process, you ask, is there anything I've ever screwed that person out? Hmm. And if you're willing to go there and go, well, you know, there was that time we went out to lunch and I got up and left and I realized I hadn't paid the bill and I, I let them pay the lunch. Yeah weirdly, and I don't understand the psychological mechanism behind it. I don't even know if it's ever been studied, but apparently whatever her technique does inside your brain, if you can take the same responsibility, it's almost like a form of empathy, right? Like, okay, you screwed me. Well, now I understand that I may have screwed you too. Different amount of money involved, but we really aren't that different. Only different in terms of magnitude, not in terms of et cetera. And there's something about really being able to deeply contemplate that commonality that my experience is it just causes all of the stress and the frustration to just kind of fade away. And I'm still not going to do business with that person. (laughs) Well, you learned a lesson, right? I mean, if you continue to do business with somebody that continually screws you over, 
then you didn't learn anything. But this is what I love about what you just shared. It's, it's actually owning who you are in the relationship and then being willing to let it go so that you can move forward. Because if you're hanging on to that, you know, and I've shared this before, it's like one of the, my favorite things my mother ever taught me is if you hang on to it, it's like clinging to a, a thorn bush, you know, and somebody, you know, hears you crying and you've got your arms wrapped around this thorn bush and they say, just let go. You know, it was, <laughs> the right. bush would quit scratching you if you would just let go. But you look at that person and you say, but it's mine. It's mine. It's my pain. I need to hang on to it. And it's not always easy to just let go. But wow, oh, it's gosh. so freeing. It's so freeing when you can say, I don't need this. I don't need to hold on to this pain. So I love that you shared that. And it's Byron Katie, Loving What Is. Byron Katie, Loving What Is. If you're the sort of person who likes audiobooks, I recommend getting the audiobook, not the printed book. Okay. Now, there's two versions of the audiobook, and I, I've, I only have one of them, so I don't know if they're the same. Okay. But the thing that I loved about the audiobook, in the book, she writes out, you know, here is a transcript of me leading somebody else through doing the work. Mm. And when you read those in a when you read those in a book, you're like, okay, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know you just made up the other person. Well, in the audiobook are the actual audios oh. of her leading those people, and when you can actually hear, like, yeah. like there's one that moves me to tears every single time I listen to it. He's a, is a teenage kid who his perception is that his family basically hates him. Mm. and he's a musician, and they think that he's going to hell, and he's the youngest of 13. So he has 12 siblings and two parents who are all trying to change him. And at at one point in this process, and the cool thing is the process leads into this realization, not Katie, exactly. And that's what I think is so powerful about this process. He realizes, wow, when they say you're going to hell to me, what they mean is I love you. And I love you so much that I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to go to hell. (laughs) Right. And that's why I'm yelling and screaming at you right now is because of how much I love you. Wow. Now, it's one thing for you and I to say this just like right now and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I can see how that could be a mental trick that would work. The difference is in the right frame of mind, he he actually got it. Like he really got it very deeply that, oh, okay. So now when I hear them yelling at me, I will actually experience it as them saying how much they love me. Interesting. And you can hear the moment when that happens in his voice. Oh, I can't wait to get this now. Thank you for sharing that. Before we get away, I have one question that I want to ask you that I'm, that I'm asking all of my guests during Pride Month and beyond, because we know that what we are trying to achieve by celebrating Pride is not limited to one month. I mean, it extends far beyond just like Black History Month, just like when we talk about autism awareness or any type of diversity and bringing it to the forefront and saying, okay, we're going to embrace diversity because we know what it does. It makes us better at everything we do. We're more innovative. We're more prone to success. So when you think about, and you've had this opportunity, but I don't know if you've had the opportunity to share what I'm going to ask you. If you were in a room full of senior leadership and they are looking at you with rapt attention, their pen is at the ready, or they have their laptops open and they're ready to furiously take notes about what you're saying because they want you to tell them how to be, how to fix this, how to work through this. And they believe that what you're sharing will be the answer. What about how to create a more inclusive workplace? What would you say to them? I'm going to give a couple sentences of background and I'll tell you what I would say. Okay. Um, 
I think it's super important for everyone to understand that the way you view and understand the world is entirely filtered through your own experience, through, yeah. through your, where you live, through the people you've interacted with, the profession you've had, etc. And when I was in business school, we one day had a class that was philosophy. It was moral and ethical inquiry through fiction. And somebody asked the question. Uh, we were reading The Great Gatsby and the discussion mm. of who should care for the homeless came up. And someone said, who, who should care for the homeless? Should it be the government? Should it be business? Should it be municipalities? Should it be, be religious institutions, et cetera? And one of the guys raised his hand and he said, I don't understand. If they're homeless, they should just go to their summer homes. <sighs> and we were like, dude, that's been really poor taste. And he's like, what are you talking about? And we oh. said, these are homeless people. He's like, and he was like, I know. They should go to their summer homes if there's something wrong with, with their main oh. home. And we realized at the age of 26 years old, he had somehow managed to never, either never meet or never truly understand that there were people who did not have multiple homes. And props to him, he, he learned. I mean, this, wow, this ended that's up being amazing. a conversation where... So if I'm facing a room of executives, and particularly if they are white male executives mm -hmm. or white female executives, for sure. that matter, which many of them are, I would say, number one, understand that the experience of people of different races and, you know, and different genders and whatever is not necessarily your experience. And you may even listen to their experience and think that doesn't make sense. Like there's no way in my experience that I can understand what they are describing. Right. To me, trans is an example of that. Personally, I am a man. I may be a gay man, but I'm a man. I feel like a man. Yeah. I know I'm yep. a man, you know, et cetera. And I have friends who have the same reality or sort of same physicality that I do, and they don't feel like me. Hmm. And rather than saying, well, you know, you are, I'm like, okay, we have different experience. And because we have different experience, things that someone could say to me that wouldn't hurt me or disturb me at all to them could be very disturbing. And so what I would say to a group that wants to learn how to be more inclusive, you know, I would say, put on a disguise and follow somebody through the company. Let's say that you're a white man, right? A white straight man, find a, a black gay woman mm. and who, who you've just hired and follow her through the day. Now, of course, it's going to be a little bit difficult to do that because, you know, people are going to notice you're standing there. Right, but, right. but basically, try to understand the experience that that person has. And then sit down with them and say, you know, which parts of these this worked and didn't for you? And I'll give a very benign example from my own life, which is that I don't play sports ball. I am a stereotypical gay man in that regard, <laughs> which is I don't know what sports is. And I have worked in workplaces before where people said, hey, you know, if your team gets the product shipped on time, you know, we're going to get you tickets to the sports bowl and fly you out to the sports city where you can then meet the players. And to our manager and to some of the people on the team, that was a very, very motivating thing. And to me, I was kind of like, you mean I'm going to have to go pretend, like I'm going to have to actually go learn the rules so that I don't say the wrong thing? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know. And again, one thing I could say to this room of executives, I could say, I could say, just don't assume that you know what other people's experience is like, but that's not going to actually really get them to understand how their workplace meets with that. But if they follow somebody around, if they go with me and I'm talking to my, you know, like, you know, let's say they're with me and I'm talking to the new person, the, uh, the new person who's my new coworker because it's my first day on the job. And the first thing that that coworker says is, you know, so 
how many kids do you have? You know, did your wife move here with you? Mm. Right. To me, I'm going to recognize that as a jarring moment. Yes. Whereas someone who's straight would not. Now, personally, I have no problem with that. I'll go, oh, actually, I'm gay. I don't have kids, <laughs> but I do have nieces and nephews. Happy to talk about them. But there are some people who would have, especially like someone who's maybe just coming out and just trying sure. to get their own bearings. Sure. Or you worried know. about anybody so, at work finding out or, you know, how is that going to impact them? Right. So right. interesting. Yeah. So that's what I would say. I would say literally, if you want to create an inclusive environment, walk around your environment in someone else's shoes and it, but actually with the other person and then have them tell you, this is what's working for me. This is what isn't. That's great advice. So one thing that I'm asking all of my guests to share, now you've shared um, Byron Katie with us. Is there any other resource you'd like to share a book or a podcast or article, movie, documentary that would help? Go onto Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever and search the LGBT category and find a movie of whatever genre you happen to like. Because at this point, there are LGBT action films, there are LGBT romances, there are all kinds of things. But in particular, find a movie that is mainly about the LGBT experience and watch it, maybe even watch it a couple of times until you relate to it as a story rather than relating to it as LGBT. Because I was watching Raising Dion on Netflix, Uh which is basically most of the cast and, and all of the main characters are black. And the first two episodes, I found this really jarring. I was like, wow, like I've never seen you know, and in, like all of these black people relating together as professionals and normal people, right? And of course, some other part of my brain is going, wow, Stever, wow, what, right? you are experiencing <laughs> what black people experience, have experienced every single day for their entire lives. Exactly. But here's the thing. By episode three, I didn't notice it anymore mm-hmm. at all. Interesting. Like, it just, it's not even that it was an issue that I resolved. It was like, oh, right, I'm watching this story about humans and about kids and about the dramas that they have. And, you know, oh my gosh, can you cover for me at work? And it only took three episodes for me to really develop, not develop, I mean, I have empathy as a person, but to kind of get past that unfamiliarity with a group that I'm not a part of and to realize the fact that I'm not a part of that group is really irrelevant to my ability to understand and relate to them as humans, which is not to say I didn't before that. In fact, last year I worked for a company that that uses finance to help with racial justice, but it's more in an entertainment context. Yeah. Well, we're, we're drawn to things that look like they could be us, right? We're drawn to things that look like could be a part. We identify with it. We get engrossed in the story more quickly. Some people like medical drama. Some people like, you know, murder and police drama, that kind of thing. And I think that we are drawn to things that we are familiar with. Right. And I think that's great advice. I've done that myself. I've actually uh, one of the reasons that I watched Moonlight years ago, the film Moonlight, which I don't know if you remember the drama at the Oscars that year was that Warren Beatty or they called the wrong name. They called that La La Land had won instead of Moonlight. And I felt like it was this just thing that happened when they said, oh, we're sorry, La La Land didn't win. <laughs> it, was, it was Moonlight. And for me, it felt like, oh, justice, justice is happening. And what a great idea to step outside of your comfort zone and watch something until it feels comfortable. I mean, what a great idea. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Now, before we get away, Stever, if somebody wants to reach out to you or connect with you or talk to you about the work that you do, what's the best way for them to do that? 
The best way is to go to Stever, S-T-E-V-E-R, Robbins, R-O-B-B-I-N-S, dot com. You can also look me up on LinkedIn. I am the only Stever Robbins on the platform. So (laughs) search for Stever Robbins Robbins on LinkedIn. That's amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today. What a pleasure to reconnect with you and to share this time together. I really appreciate you joining me today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of HR Latte. This podcast is brought to you by Never Enough Media and is produced by host Rayanne Thorne Kruger. Our editor is Igor Kuzmanovsky and Dick Delecki as our announcer. With featured music, grab a coffee and go by Tiny Music. Special thanks to those who have made HR Latte possible over the years with their ideas, support, and feedback. 